Good morning, Deer Gear Podcast listeners. Welcome to the last episode of 2023. Today was supposed to be probably my favorite episode I've ever recorded with Tony Sangelosi from Drawn Archery. And for whatever reason, the audio recording device did not like it. And we lost the audio on the SD card. There's a folder for it and there's nothing inside. So Tony and I, it's a must that we re-record because we need to recap Tony's 2023 season. He shot a sweet eight pointer 25 inches wide the thing's just ridiculous and you have to hear the story of it Uh, unfortunately it's never better the second time you record but the story is a must it has to be on the deer gear podcast i'm so sorry that we lost it we also recapped some of the gear that we used throughout the season and that so all of that must be talked about and you'll hear that early in 2024 in that episode we also talked about a buck that i shot about a week ago i shot a really really awesome eight pointer that i had my eyes on all season i just recorded a podcast on the exodus podcast last week it aired this tuesday and i'm going to air that story here on the deer gear podcast um for my listeners not only do i talk about the buck that i shot in ohio i also go through my north dakota season my kansas season and then all of ohio so i missed a buck i wounded a buck and i shot a buck so there's a lot going on in this episode there's not a whole lot of gear talk in it so if you're only here for the gear i apologize but it is a testament to the gear that i talk about the gear that i use because i was in the position multiple times this year so i hope you guys enjoy it i hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic new year i hope 2023 was great but guys 2024 is going to be better on every front You are not going to want to miss next week's Exodus podcast because we foreshadow a ton to come in 2024 and it is going to be the biggest year Exodus has ever had. There will be more coming this year than Exodus has ever released so you're not going to want to miss it. If you aren't signed up for the email newsletter please do that too because there is so much coming. I'll just say this new camera January 10th new camera January 25th that's two in one month. Get signed up on that email newsletter. Be ready for what's to come. And with that, let's get into this episode recapping my 2023 deer season. It's a good thing we didn't record this yesterday. <laughs> and maybe it would have been more fun to, to like this to be able to compare your answers uh, or your, your recap from yesterday and then to today but um always love this episode we had jace and justin share their stories and they shot bucks and now you are also in that club so um before we get into that explain uh in case people haven't caught who you are who are who are you and what are your responsibilities sure yeah i'm uh cameron i am the uh content director here at exodus i i host the deer gear podcast and um i I wear a lot of hats here to be to be honest but my primary role would be the creative director. Yeah, awesome. And um, I asked all the other uh, guys a hot tip. You can answer for arrows too, since you're the arrow guy. A hot tip that most customers get wrong, or, or most consumers get wrong, or that you wish more people knew of. Um, a hot tip I wish mo- more people knew of. Hmm. It's this may not be that hot. But uh, for the majority of consumers purchasing arrows, 
the um, fletching configuration does not matter that much. Uh, we get a lot of people that are very particular in whether or not they have three fletch or four fletch. We had some uh, customers buy arrows that they did not know were going to come in a four fletch. And we're like, I can't shoot these. These have four fletchings on them. I've shot three my whole life. And then you tell them like, hey, just go shoot them, see how they perform. And they're like, man, these things are awesome. I'll probably shoot four fletch for the rest of my life. Um, so just to, on the arrow side of things, if you're thinking it's complicated and you don't need, you don't know what you need or whatever, um, everything that we have laid out in the builder <clears throat> is a great option for whatever you're going to do. So mm-hmm. just sim- simplify it and um, just practice on your technique rather than what is on your bow. Mm-hmm. Do you think that people crutch too much on their gear versus, I, you see the meme and it has the two paths, right pass is a right path is like uh, all the different gear, like trying different things or like air, arguing arrow weight and the other left one where no one's in, it's practicing. <laughs> do you think, <laughs> do, you, do you believe in that? Yeah, I think 100%. I think a lot of the reason why a lot of things are so popular right now is because people's technique is so poor, like heavy arrows. Uh, they just slow your bow down so so much that you don't see all the flaws in your shooting technique. And uh, four fletchings is one of those things. Like there's so many people that are like, you got to shoot four fletch, you got to shoot four fletch. And in a sense, I agree because it offers more stability, stability and more steering for folks mm-hmm. that aren't so dialed in that they don't need that extra steering. So I do think that uh, people way too heavily rely on on the gear than just simply whether that's on the arrow side or that's physically hunting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you started your season in North Dakota. Let's let's start from the top and go all the way to December twentieth because it, it's a marathon. Yeah, it's a it's a large marathon. North Dakota was fun. Um, I love hunting out there. I think that's so far my favorite state to to whitetail hunt in. Um, and it's I mean it's hard to not with the, the track record that I've had there. First year out there, I shoot the biggest buck of my life. Next year, I shoot the biggest buck of my life by twenty inches. Mm-hmm. And then um, this year again, we had uh, Trey and I went back out and we had opportunities at some. Um, really, really big deer. Trey was hunting uh, a pretty special deer out there and I was happy to be a part of that. And I, myself, I got an opportunity. Um, it was a, oh, that was a, it was a wild, wild hunt. Um, had a kind of like a brushy fence or there's no trees for like, you just can't see them. They're very far, um, uh, very few and far between. Um, and we had like this big draw, and on top of the draw was a standing bean field. And then there was a fence row that separated two properties. And it was like really grown up on the fence row. And then there were some cattails on uh, in conjunction with that fence row. That most likely betting opportunity would be in those cattails, which is on the neighboring property. And when we scouted it, we scouted that draw. And there was a trail that would cross that fence and come into those standing beans. And... Uh, we put a camera right there on that fence crossing and there was quite a few bucks using that standing bean field. And, uh, the best thing about out there is you can utilize glass a lot. So in the mornings I would glass a few deer using that fence crossing and, uh, went in there on, I forget what night, probably the third night was actually the first hunt opportunity that I had, um, with the right wind and everything. So made a play on them just crawled up that fence row and basically just there's like a 
there's like that buffer between like the fence and the bean field. <clears throat> the beans were super tall. Like if I got on my knees, knees, you couldn't see me. And when the deer were standing in the beans, like the does, you could only see their head. Um, oh, wow. They were super tall. So I got within what I thought was like 25 yards of the trail that those deer were using to get into that standing bean field. And uh, um, a buck does not follow the script and comes from the opposite direction enters into the bean field i only reason i see him is because i see him hop a fence and i was like man i wish i would have known that was the way he was entering this because i'm like 50 yards away mm-hmm. and there's no wind like two mile an hour winds and i'm in a bean field like if i try to move i'm gonna make a lot of noise so he was feeding in this corner of the field and every time he put his head down i would try to crawl through like that buffer because it was just dirt and I would, I would crawl a little bit and I got to where I was like at 40, 40 yards, 39, 38 yards or so from him. And I was like, I'm not, there's just no way I'm going to be able to get any closer. Mm-hmm. And, um, I got on my knees and I got ready to draw and all I could see was the top of his back. And like, I could see his tines and the beans are so tall. And in hindsight, I probably should have just stood up and shot because the, the sun was at my back. I was in the shadows. I had a lot of um, things going in my favor. And maybe I rushed it a little bit. But um, I thought that was as close as I got. And I opted to take a shot at whatever that distance was. And I just hit high. I think I was trying to compensate for the fact that I, his vitals were actually in the beans. Like I really needed to shoot through that. And I tried to just pick a spot right above it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just hit too high, uh, non-lethal, non-lethal hit. We looked, um, I backed out immediately cause I knew that the hit was pretty bad and came in the next morning and we had blood tracked blood for a good ways. And I, just, I could just replay that shot over and over my head. And I mean, I, his back straps, you know, like it was, it was not, not the opportunity I wanted. Um, so that was North Dakota. I, I did have an opportunity. Can't complain um, that bad about it, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. you, I put myself in the position I just didn't execute. Mm-hmm. What, uh, going out to North Dakota the last few years, what what have you learned to work really well? Obviously, it's a lot different than what, that landscape is much different than where you hunt in Ohio. And so how long did it take you to adapt or change? Or I guess what were some key findings that you're like, okay, what what works here is this. Yeah, um, without giving too many secrets away, um, it's obviously very food heavy out there, right? It's all you. Have, it's agriculture. Everything's agriculture, and in the areas that you have diverse agriculture, meaning like you have a uh, standing cornfield that meets a bean field, or you have a wheat field that meets a standing cornfield or a bean field, um, those areas seem to attract more deer just in those because you could get in a sea of thousands of acres of beans and yes mm-hmm. deer prefer beans at that time of year in an early season but there's just not the diversity there and deer are creatures of edge and um that seems to help a lot the the bedding if you have standing corn 
Uh, I think it's utilized more than like what you would see out here in the Midwest. Like people have that debate: do beer, do deer bed in standing mm-hmm. corn out there? Yes, it's it's one of the main sources, and then cattails. So if you can put those three things together in an area, mm-hmm. you are your odds get way up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good piece of advice. It's it's funny how different. <laughs> You know, you can take hunting in Ohio or Pennsylvania and like some of those same key principles, like copy and paste, put them over in North Dakota. Obviously, much different landscape, much different habitat. But the, you know, the three different types of, of habitat coming to one area seem to be uh, what worked well for you. So you have North Dakota, you head back to Ohio. How, how was uh, how was the month of October for you? Um, well, so I, I moved to a new area, new neighborhood, bought a farm, uh, bought a house, little hobby farm um in a new area so my expectations from talking to people in the area friending farmers my space my expectations were pretty high to be uh, honest with how my ohio season would go and i while i was in north dakota i got a picture of a buck that like instantly drew my attention and i was like man this deer first first impressions of the deer were like holy crap like this could be the biggest three-year-old or like the coolest three-year-old ever like he just i thought he was super young um i mean summer pictures are a little bit deceiving first year first year in the area too which is always really tough i have no idea that's deer ever existed prior right and then the camera was super high so just my all of my angles weren't that great but this deer has double split g2s and um just like the mass that you dream of in a deer and i was like oh my god so instantly was like that's the deer in ohio well there's another big eight pointer that'll come into play later he was the number one until i got this picture and i was like both either one of them are like 100 percent it but this one was more accessible i had access to him immediately and um so i Real, I had a oh man, October. I had a really good game plan on this deer. I, I in July there was a uh, a thunderstorm that was rolling in, and I thought maybe it wouldn't hit us. And I went to glass this one bean field that was adjacent to this this property that I could hunt, and I was going out into this little stand of timber that was meets this bean field and the rain was coming then the wind picks up and I got caught in like the thunderstorm of thunderstorms and I'm just in this woods and I'm like, Oh my God. But as I was in there, the winds howling, all these acorns are just raining. And I was like, Holy crap. Like I stumbled across the only acorns, the only white Oak acorns in mm-hmm. like a two mile radius. I was like, there's gotta be some deer in here. And I just like kind of poked around. I found a primary scrape. That was from the previous year, like just huge, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's where I hung that camera to get that picture of that deer in September. And then he started to become more regular throughout October. Um, I was like, he has to be feeding in this white oak grove. So I, I moved, I positioned another camera um, the week before season started. And if I recall, the weekend season came in in ohio we either got a really good cold front that weekend or it was like the first week of the season we got a a really substantial cold front 
and um he was on camera september our, th- our season opened the 28th or 29th whichever one it was he was on camera the day before like 40 minutes before dark and i was like I, I'm, I'm gonna go kill this the year opening day so the wind was right i made my move and there wasn't quite enough wind cover to access mm-hmm. um I didn't know that because I didn't exactly know where the deer was bedded, but I, I got in, I, I bumped some does. I picked a tree, which was the most important thing to me was finding the right tree that I was going to be able to execute this on mm-hmm. and had the hunt, whatever. Didn't see a deer other than the ones that I bumped the next day. He's on camera again. So now my head's like, he knew, he knew I was in there, right? He, he was there the day before and then he wasn't. And then he was. And then, so that's, I want to say September 30th or October 1st or one of those days that next week goes by six, seven days go by and I don't get a picture of a single deer in that white oak grove. So I'm thinking he was there the next day. He got my boot track. He's gone. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's out of the area. And then, um, I went in, (laughs) I did like the typical, my camera must not be working. (laughs) You know, there got to be deer in there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He was in there all the time. My camera must not be working. So midweek on a a hotter day, I went and scouted to think like, am I missing something? Did he Mm -hmm. just move or is there a sign that I'm not seeing? And I didn't find anything. So that next weekend, it's October 7th or 8th, one of those days. And we get another really big cold front, a rain front. Like it's going to rain real hard. It's going to stop. And I was like, my only play right now is those white oaks. He has to be feeding in there. I just have to be missing him on camera. And so that's the game plan. I, I accessed the same way. We had more wind this time. I got in. I didn't bump anything. Get set up in that same tree. And I'm thinking, you know, like I could sit here and I could see quite a bit. So maybe I'll just learn something. Maybe I'll learn what I'm, what I've been missing and where he moved to, or, um, I'm not going to see anything and it's just, I'm going to know, okay, now I have to move on. So there's 45 minutes left in daylight and three does come and they do exactly what they did the previous week. And they walk, mm-hmm. eat those white oak acorns. And I'm like, well, they haven't done that in a week. Like, where's that been? Or were they just mm-hmm. doing that? And I wasn't getting a picture of them. But they walked straight to the camera. I get the notification, you know, like, well, the camera is working. <laughs> you know, they just weren't there. So um, they come through, and then they just feed around, and then they go feed out into the, the standing bean field. Mm-hmm. And as they're walking up the tree edge, I'm, like, glassing them, watching them. You know, I like, saw some deer, didn't haven't seen them in a while. Behind, over their back is like an old clear cut and it's like completely cleared. But the only thing that's there is it's all grown up now. It's fallow Mm -hmm. and there's like big piles of tops. Mm -hmm. So there's opportunity for deer to bed in there. And then there's one corner this October 8th. There's one corner of this field that has green beans in it and I'm glassing and I see 14 deer congregated in that corner and I can see some racks and they're probably 700 yards away and mm-hmm. I'm glassing, you know, I'm like one of those deer, man, he looks pretty big. 
Mm-hmm. Like that, maybe that's him. Maybe he just moved over there and he's he went from the White Oaks, found those green beans, and he's just getting those green beans. So there's 30 minutes left of light. I'm thinking, you know, I could get down and get a better look and see if that is him, and then I can still hunt over there. I still have access to that, and I can make a play on him over there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. 15 minutes, 20 minutes left of the day. I'm, I'm doing it. I start getting down, and um, I get to the second stick down on that tree, and I just peek around the tree, and that buck that I'm after is rubbing a tree at 42 yards. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. My bow's on the ground. I'm on the backside of this tree. As that happens, it just starts pouring rain. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I have tons of cover. I have tons of wind cover, and I'm on the backside of the tree from him, perks of saddle hunting, and – I get down on the ground. I'm still linesman's rope to the tree. I grab my bow, knock an arrow, and I'm like, I'm going to kill this deer at 30 yards. He's going to do exactly what those does did. He's going to come at my shooting lane. It's the same. I'm just not in a tree anymore. And um, it's, it's done deal. You know, this deer's toast. So this is where it gets wild. The deer, it, it's hard to explain, but if, if I'm sitting, um, I have the tree. I'm up against the tree. The tree is on my left shoulder mm-hmm. and I'm using that as my cover. The deer is on the opposite side of that tree. So he takes a beeline to the base of my tree and I'm mm-hmm. on the other side of it. Cause I'm like peeking around at one point, like, where did he go? And then I just see his head down. So I just draw back and I'm like, if he goes left, if he goes right, I shoot this deer point blank and it's, I'm like freaking out. It's a 155 inch deer at this point. Mm-hmm. I see him like, holy crap. My first instinct was like, that's a holy crap, you know? Mm-hmm. And that deer puts his head down and walks. And I'm not kidding, Jake, to the tr- other side of the tree that I'm on. Like I could touch his nose if I extend my bow, uh-huh. but he has his head down. Like his chest is covered. The mm-hmm. tree is like covering his vitals if i were to lean out like there's no there was no shot opportunity Mm -hmm. when i got up in that tree i carry three sticks with me four i carry three sticks with me i only use two one of my sticks was still on the ground he goes and puts his head down and sniffs the stick and backs up looks around the tree and he's staring at me (laughs) like almost eye to eye Mm -hmm. like the craziest thing ever and he bounds off, you know, and I'm thinking, what the heck? But I'm in full draw still. So I'm like, man, 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 just like stop, do something, you know. And he doesn't hear me. And he, he goes out to, I don't know, 50 yards and stops and turns around. He doesn't really know what happened. Mm-hmm. So I reach behind me and I start shaking a tree and pawing the ground and thinking, maybe I can act like a buck. Maybe, maybe he'll think that it was just another deer and it caught him off guard. Mm-hmm. And it, that worked. He, tried to circle downwind of the noise and i don't i thought he was at like 40 yards he was probably more at like 30 yards and i shot over his back i I did get an opportunity and shot over his back which is crazy crazy he got that close and like and then you got it is what a super super weird encounter dude if i stay in the tree done you know like I was kicking myself so hard. Like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done in the woods. I was like, what 
what am I thinking? Like, but the whole time I was like, well, the deer hasn't been here in a week. He's gone. Right. Yeah. So, but part of my aggression towards that hunt, like being October 8th and going full bore on it was if I, if I do bump this deer, mm-hmm. if I do spook him, chances are where he moves, I can still hunt and mm. I'll still find him. You know, mm-hmm. I'll still be able to have an encounter with him. Mm-hmm. And then two days, three days after that encounter, he shows up in the food plot in my backyard. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you know, kind of worked out. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, now he's in my wheelhouse. Now he's here. Um, and I hunted him pretty hard. I don't remember the date entirely, but it was late October. Um, I got a picture of him on a camera and I was like, okay, he's still here, you know, and I, I saw the direction he was headed on the camera and I was set up. I was like, I'm in position. Like he could make it over here. He might not. He's 700 yards away right now, but Mm -hmm. he might make it over this direction. Just doing a circle looking for does. And, um, sure enough, 30 minutes before dark, I see him and he's coming my way, but he crosses me at like 67 yards and I'm in a field. Like I'm on on a field edge. I was like, I could do it. You know, I could, I thought I was like, I drew back. It's like, I could 67, you know, like this is the biggest deer in my life. I got to shoot this thing. And I was like, no, you know what? Like you're, you're on him. You know, mm-hmm. you just let him go. Come to find out he had an arrow in him when he came in front of me. Um, the neighbor had shot him right before I saw him. And I've never seen that deer again. The guy Did, never recovered him. I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the hunter never recovered him. Um, I went and looked for him. I was going to call a drone. I didn't even mm-hmm. shoot the deer. I was mm-hmm. going to call a drone just to know, like, is this deer still alive? Should mm-hmm. I still spend time chasing him? But to this day, I haven't seen him. I'm sure someone will find him shed season, unfortunately. More Hope likely. I, yeah. I, need to, I need to see what he is. Like, double yeah. split G2s, probably 10, 11-inch brow tines. Like, just Big a, deer. Yeah. Golly. Just a beautiful deer. Where did you see where he was hit? Or could you tell very well? Like I didn't know it was. I, okay. I had so no it was idea. A it must have been. Yeah. And I, the way he was acting, like I grunted and he responded to the grunt. Like mm-hmm. there was no, I never thought to look like, is he wounded? You know, that never crossed my mind to think like, maybe this deer just got shot. <laughs> like mm-hmm. He was acting fine. He was trotting across his field. He's in the wide open. He just crossed the road, you know, yeah. like, he's just trying to get somewhere. And I grunted and bleated and he like stopped and looked and, I started shaking a tree again and he didn't like it and ran away. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, like I spooked him. It wasn't, mm-hmm. he just got shot. Yeah. <laughs> so That's so it was, random. It was kind of crazy. I, the only reason I knew that he got shot was I ran into one of my neighbors at the laundromat. I was like, Hey, did you hear about the deer? So-and-so shot. And I was like, no. So I texted him. I was like, what deer did you shoot? And he's like the non-typical. And I was like the one with the split G twos. And he was like, yeah. And, I was like, did you find him? He's like, no, never did. Well, that's Yeah, that's interesting. So that was late October, you said? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the date, um, but it was 28th, 29th, mm-hmm. somewhere around that time frame. So then leading into November, when did you leave for Kansas? I left for Kansas November 6th. Um, I didn't hunt anymore after I didn't know that that deer was alive. Mm-hmm. I just around home. I was just, that's the only deer I had access to that I wanted. 
Mm-hmm. The the big eight pointer from the summer was still there, but I only had permission to turkey hunt that property. I never had permission to deer hunt. The landowners we'll talk about deer hunting, but mm-hmm. I'm new to the area. I didn't want to press, you know, I didn't want to push the issue. But um, so all my eggs went into Kansas from there. And to make a, a long story short on Kansas, I got my ass handed to me. I mean, it was, it was, uh, I felt so, I don't know, just every day I was like, what am I doing? And I never got within bow range of a buck the entire 15 days I was there. Weather kind of sucked, but mm-hmm. I mean, you had Reese in camp, he killed, Jason camp, he killed, um, Hunter in camp, he killed, Clint killed, like there's only one other person that hasn't well trey didn't but trey only had four days um mm-hmm. i just had a game plan to cover ground spot and suck find a deer bed it and i i just wasted way too much time trying to find that scenario mm-hmm. and all the other guys that killed found a terrain feature stuck it out mm-hmm. and i was like no i want to do it this way i had a thought on the experience that i wanted to had i wanted to, i wanted to decoy a deer and i wanted to have that experience and unfortunately i just didn't find it next trip to kansas are you going to have that same strategy or are you going to find a feature and, and park up in it it would depend on where i went if i went back to the units that i went to this year i would just find a um feature and park it but my goal is to still have that experience i want to spot and stock or decoy a buck in a mm-hmm wide open prairie crp mm-hmm. so i'm just gonna change where i'm at mm-hmm. so okay what type of so w- what type of train ideally because was there not not enough prairie there to where you could do that or would you just go to a different part that has more prairie or more flat or more roll it was there was too much terrain to be honest with you there was too like there's like ditches and gullies and um there were some rolling terrain features that you couldn't get a vantage point and see enough. Mm-hmm. Everything that your glassing opportunities were from the road, from the from the truck. Mm-hmm. And that works, but you can only see so far because there's this just giant ditch or mm-hmm. there's over a rise that you just can't see. So I mean I put on five thousand miles on my truck while I was in Kansas. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Jeez. And I I mean that's whatever call it being naive or whatever i thought that that i could have that experience and i i just couldn't and i talked to people out there that were also like under the same mindset like this is what i came out here to do they didn't kill either so mm-hmm. um i just wasn't in the right terrain the right area to do what i wanted to do and then the second week i was there i adjusted right i took the other people's approach that killed and then it was just too late. I just didn't have enough time left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. That's 5,000 miles in like two weeks. That's a lot of driving. That's a ton of driving. The public land's so spread out there, right? And mm-hmm. <clears throat> another thing I noticed, and it, whatever, um, I can't do anything about it, but the weather just wasn't on my side. It was like high 70s most of the days. Super, super, super sunny. The mornings would be cool. They'd be in the 40s, 30s, and you would see deer everywhere in the morning. But as soon as that sun came up 
then the sun got hot, the deer gone, disappeared. Mm -hmm. So the days that everyone killed, all overcast days. Nobody killed Mm -hmm. on a sunny bluebird, bright Mm -hmm. 75 degree day. It was overcast. The front moved in with a big wind switch. And Mm -hmm. in the 15 days that I was there, that happened twice. Wow. There's something to be said about that. That's interesting. So you would go to a different unit. You would stick with the strategy from start to finish and instead of bouncing around like between different tactics would the best way to yeah, summarize that. Stick to a stick to a plan and live it out. And mm-hmm. just like whatever the outcome is, it's gonna be. I mean, mm-hmm. I I just got to a point where I haven't got access to private ground. I was like, I'm just gonna go hunt the private ground for the last four days. It just wasn't enough time. I didn't have enough time to to figure out what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's tough. Well, Still, I'm sure it was fun to hang out in camp with with all the guys there and uh, be around all those guys whacking whacking good deer too, which is cool. Um, and so packing up, I mean, you shot a buck last night, which obviously we have to talk about the full story there. But um, you did call your shot yesterday. Um, I was talking, we were doing Jace's interview, and you're like, I'm "Gonna go kill that deer," and that's exactly what happened. So pick up on that story wherever wherever it makes sense. Yeah. So um, I guess I didn't. So when the, I got home from Kansas, November 20th, 21st, something like that, <clears throat> didn't really have any plans on, like, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do in Ohio. I need to just, I need to find deer. But my thought was, I'm going to find the deer post-gun season. I'll let the gun season roll through. I'll hunt with a gun. If anything happens, like, great. But mm-hmm. I'm not banking on it. But late season in Ohio, you have a, you have an opportunity you have a ton of time you can hunt until february and it was always my thought process in ohio was like i'm not going to put a ton of effort into the gun season because i want to kill a deer with my bow and i have so much more time after i only have a week with a gun and dedicate my season to a gun hunt that everyone's pushing deer around you have no idea what the deer are going to do anyway so mm-hmm. going into that i started moving some cameras around back to areas that I hunted previous years, like scouting a little bit there. It's like maybe I'll hunt with a gun here just to see what's going on. And then where that big eight pointer is, I was talking to the landowner and he was like, man, I got, I got to get my knees replaced. And I was like, dang, is he going to be able to hunt at all? He's like, probably not. And I left it at that. And I was like, okay. And then I started scrambling more. I was like, I got to find a deer. I got to find a deer. And I was like, I have this big eight-pointer that is like probably pretty killable. I just have to ask him if I can hunt. So mm-hmm. I just text him one day. I was like, hey, um, I hate to ask on this circumstance because you have to get your knees replaced. But um, it doesn't sound like you're going to have anyone hunting back there. Would you mind if I chase that big eight-point? And he was like, you know what? No one else has hunted here all year. No one's going to hunt here. I can't get out. It's all yours. Have at it. Wow. So I got access to that property that I could previously only turkey hunt. And I was just running cameras for the landowner because he loved it, right? He was mm-hmm. like, "This, these things are great. I just love to know what's back there. And um, so he likes to feed the deer, right? He has a corn pile out, you know, and he watches it all year. And he has like a spotting scope from his porch that the deer way back out and when the deer come he likes to watch them you know and this big eight pointer just kept being kind of silly so 
I hunted him every day, but two of the gun season. The first day I did not hunt him, I went to a property that uh, I had hunted previously. And I was like, I'm just going to shoot a doe, need some meat in the freezer. Um, go down to that property, the buck daylights. And the landowner calls me. He's like, I hope you have a good excuse for not being here because I'm watching that buck right now. And I blamed it on you guys. I was like, I had to work. <laughs> like, I couldn't get out of work. I wasn't willing to admit that I was just in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, well, you know what? I'm going back. Next day, hunted there. Next day, hunted there. Next day, hunted there. And I came to realize that the situation where that deer was at, he had to have either known that I was coming or – he could smell me from where he's at. I just, I'd never been there in the mm-hmm. woods. I've only talked to the guy. So, um, gun season Saturday, the only Saturday of the first gun in Ohio, that deer is in a wide open field at 1230 in the afternoon. Oh man. I was like, this deer is going to die. So I hunted him that evening. Didn't see him. Uh, Sunday was a complete washout. Didn't hunt. So he daylights twice in the week of gun season. I was like, all I need is the right weather and I'm going to kill this deer. And it was like, the deer was so conditioned. This guy would drive his side by side every day at three o'clock to walk his dogs. And sometimes he would put a bucket of corn in the back of his side by side and dump it out. And I'm not kidding. Every time he did that an hour and a half later, 45 minutes later, that buck goes to that corn pile mm-hmm. like every time. So we get the right weather yesterday. I call the landowner. I'm like, hey, if I hunt tonight, would you be able to drop me off? I'm going to hang a set to kill that eight point. But um, I was like, we need, to, we need to put some corn out when we do that because there's nothing there. And he is so conditioned that when that side-by-side comes and the corn hits the ground, he's coming. So I mean, it was like, I don't, I don't know how else you put it. Like, I'm not going to, that was the strategy. Mm-hmm. I called the guy. He's like, I'm in Arkansas. I was like, dang. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to coax someone to drive me back there and do that. And sure enough, he drives me back there, um, dumped the bucket of corn on the ground. And I can't shoot to the corn. I'm just assuming that they're going to take a certain route to get to the corn. Mm-hmm. And um, there's only a few handful of trees that I could get in, not a whole lot of cover. So I hang my saddle set, only two sticks up in the air. And uh, <laughs> it was like, it took me forever to get set up because there's no wind, it's cold out, everything's loud. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I finally get set up and I have like an hour and a half left of daylight. And I sit there and probably. Um, 25 minutes left of light i just see a string of bodies coming through the woods because you could see forever Mm -hmm. in the with the snow on the ground and there was like seven does and i was thinking to myself like back in my head i was like on the camera i only ever see two or three (laughs) like where Mm -hmm. are all these deer coming from so um i was like i'm just gonna shoot a doe like 20 minutes left so i grab my bow and they're coming in and they're working from my left to my right and as I'm looking at them, I hear something walking to my right, which is approaching the corn pile. And that buck is on his way, walking through a wide open hayfield that I have no shot opportunity at. But he's 25 yards away. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, you know, it's the first time I've seen this deer in person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, I'm freaking out. And these does are gonna just they're gonna ruin my program. They're I was kind of searching for a tree because there's not some there's only a few trees. There's a lot of trees in the area, but only fr- a few that you could get in to mm-hmm. effectively shoot. Uh, they're pin oak trees and they're just branches everywhere. So I picked a tree, but after I walked around a little and the does are coming in a line and like the third doe hits my boot track and she stops and, you know, she looks at me, she's pinned me. She knows I'm there. And eventually they get past me and they go towards where they're going to go feed. And they just were never content. They were never like, it's safe. So they would kind of act like they're going to go back towards the woods. And that's where I needed that buck to go. I needed him to come and head toward the wood line because I mm-hmm. thought he was going to come from that way. He just didn't. Um, and the does are feeding around and I'm there. I have eight deer in December at seven yards, mm-hmm. like no wind. I can't move. I can't breathe. I'm thinking of he's Cisco the whole time, how he talks about, like yeah. you're never going to get a shot off when you have that many eyes. I'm like, this is. And they can sense screwed. the energy and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is screwed. But so one of the does starts working back towards the wood line and she looks over her shoulder and looks at me. I was like, I have two options. I sit here until dark and who knows how long they're going to feed out in this hay field. And mm-hmm. I'd never get out of here and it's 30 degrees and freezing. Mm-hmm. Or. I try to spook the does and just hope that they go in the direction that I need them to go and lead him with them. Like they'll, they'll go and he'll follow. So it just took my bow and just like swung it, like just moved it in the direction when that doe was looking at me and that was all I had to do. And she turned and walked off. All the other does walked off and he just kind of put his head up. He kept eating and then eventually, two minutes later, walked right down the trail at six yards on a shuttle. That's crazy. What a, a one hunt. One hunt is all it takes to change the season. Uh, I only bow hunted that deer once. That was my first bow hunt for him. That's, I mean, there's something to be said. I mean, the magic of the first sit, and you guys kind of had an idea of how he was behaving and, and what a, a pattern there, which is uh, to make that happen, too, with that many deer around uh, is heads up there because that that's the biggest challenge with late season that's the thing that um everyone talks like food is king but to your point like if let's say you you would have just waited it out and then you would have busted them on the way out and like then it is automatically got harder so the fact that you got them the first sit was was huge i mean i congratulate that's really cool thank you yeah, yeah. it was a, something i mean at this point in ohio season like whether you like it or not baiting is a tactic that you can really take advantage of and this deer was conditioned to coming to, um, coming to the corn, and that's what it. I mean, I wasn't gonna try to make it any harder than it had to be. <laughs> right. That couldn't. I set myself up to like I wasn't shooting the deer when he had his head in the corn. I was trying to take the path coming to it because, then there was a lot of times where he was there twenty minutes late, or he was there, fifth. Like I was like, I'll just take the path, <clears throat> the path that I can hunt with this wind, mm-hmm. as far away I can get from the corn with this wind to make it work and it just that just worked out yeah that's really cool and uh did the guy that the farm you shot it off of is this a deer that i'm guessing he didn't run cameras before 
he had a camera. So he had a spy point on this. Like this corn pile has been here for years. He always puts mm-hmm. it here. He runs a spy point on it, but the, it wasn't working. Like the camera wasn't it wasn't working. And one of the farmers that I friended here was like, "Hey, there's a guy in the neighborhood that works for a cell camera manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Like you should try one of these cameras out." And I was like, "You know what? I'll just hang one over there for him to see if he likes them, you know, and kind of be the gesture to maybe he'll let me hunt." Cause he doesn't turkey hunt. So I was thinking like, maybe let me turkey hunt if I like run some cameras for him. Mm-hmm. So he's had a camera there for years. And, um, he was showing me pictures from a cell phone that he took of that eight pointer eaten out of his apple trees, mm-hmm. like it years prior, years prior. So he mm-hmm. knew that that deer was around and, um, he, it was part of the reason, like he showed me those pictures. It was part of the reason why I wanted to put effort into getting access to that piece. Mm-hmm. Do so. Did he know? I know you don't know the age of the deer, but I'm just curious of like if he has seen it for multiple years, or like did that deer live there, or or did he move in and out, or maybe not enough information to know. I don't have enough information, but just from what I learned from that scenario <clears throat> was. I had pictures of that deer all summer. I had pictures of that deer all through October, all through November, and all through late season. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how far he moved during those months, but he was always living there. Mm-hmm. So I'd imagine he's done that for years prior. Right, yeah. So yeah. I don't think he was relocated or anything, but um, he's not serious about serious enough about hunting to know like that's this buck from this year or whatever. Yeah. But, um, it was like something I was like, eventually early season, I was like, man, I wish I could go hunt that deer. I could kill him. Mm -hmm. I wish I could. I just didn't have access to it. I was like, he's going to move. I like all these times, like I need to just ask him, but there was another old guy that hunted there, but, um, he didn't actually hunt. He never hunted, but Mm -hmm. like he, so-and-so hunts there, you know, but he doesn't hunt. So I never took, I never asked, I just never asked until right. he himself was like, I can't hunt. And I was like, mm-hmm. dang, that sucks. Like, well, someone needs to be hunting that big eight point. <laughs> yeah, me. Well, why not <laughs> <don't> be me? <laughs> oh my gosh. No, that's, that's really cool. It's awesome moving to a new area and have uh, <clears throat> some really great deer to hunt and, and connect with one, especially, I wouldn't call it the fourth quarter since you're in Ohio, but for a lot of the country, um, you know, like, Getting, getting to be that time of year where people are really hoping for a cold front. Like, I'm a little jealous you guys had snow, and I'm looking out the window, and it's like the ground just froze <laughs> for whatever reason. Oh, we yeah. Had, we haven't had a real good snow, but uh, that's that's really awesome. And are you going to buy a Pennsylvania tag? When did they close? No. no. Um, their season, you can't even bow hunt right now. It's December 21st as we're recording this, and you can't bow hunt until the day after Christmas, and then you have until mid-January. But I had too many out-of-state tags unfilled to try to <laughs> put more money into another <laughs> disappointment. So donation no, mistake. <laughs> yeah, if if I if I were to get time, I'd go back to Kansas or I'd go back to North Dakota if I had the opportunity. That makes sense. But yeah, makes sense. Well, that's uh, any any other parting lessons, thoughts, or or anything else from this past year. Um, no, I mean other than like just sticking it out and not it's not over till the fat lady sings the october hunt taught me the most out of any hunt that i've ever had in my life trust your gut 
if you like I found the food. I knew where he was feeding. I read the sign. I knew where he was going. I just put too much emphasis on that 45 angle detection area. Mm-hmm. And I said, that deer's no longer here. And mm-hmm. I just was like, I in my head, I was convinced that he was no longer there. Forced me to get out of my stand 15 minutes early to go look and see if he had moved. And if I would have just trusted my gut and said, no, he's feeding these acorns. Those does were just his, like, uh, level security. They moved through. Almost every time that they moved through, he was there after. But I was just so convinced that he was no longer there because I didn't get a picture of him that uh, it cost me him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's. I feel like uh, it, su- it, sucks at the, it sucks at the time, but those lessons you won't make uh, you won't make that mistake again. So I guess that's the silver lining in that of just every season, hopefully you learn something or you, you make a mistake that you won't make again, or you have something click. And I think that's the, that's the beauty of every season. You get an opportunity to get better. And that's, that's probably what I look forward to the most. So um, that's really cool. Well, um, where can people follow along on uh, whatever we have going? Well, I, uh, yeah, the deer gear podcast um, on Fridays, there's a lot of conversations there. The Exodus YouTube channel. Um, I guess my personal socials are Cam the Cameraman, but um, I don't really post much anymore. I kind of gave a little bit of that up. So if, mostly if you want to follow along with me, follow along the Exodus content. There you have it, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the story of my 2023 season. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you made it this far, you guys are obviously interested in what Exodus has going on and you can be a part of it. Exodus is hiring right now. We have some amazing employment opportunities. If you're interested, go to the Exodus website, exodusoutdoorgear.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and check out employment opportunities. And while we're talking about it, I'll just fill you in on the positions we have open right now. So guys, we're looking for someone on the customer service team, product support specialist. We're looking for someone on the order fulfillment and shipping side. And we're looking for an aerotech, someone that wants to get down and build some arrows. So if that's you or you know anyone that may be interested, head to the website, exodusoutdoorgear.com. Scroll down to employment opportunities and please put in your resumes, guys. We are an exciting growing brand and as i said in the intro of this 2024 is going to be the biggest year ever so you're gonna want to be a part of it if you have any questions you can reach out to me personally or shoot an email to info at exodusoutdoorgear.com and use the subject job thanks for listening guys see you next week